Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. Welcome, welcome. First edition of Fresh Thinking 2022. Welcome aboard and I hope that you have had a fantastic break. Good, uh, refreshing holiday, and now you're back in the driver's seat and ready to make things meaningful and successful this year. Seeing as the last uh, couple of years have been so challenging, let's be optimistic. Please, God, this year will be much more productive, much more wholesome, healthy, and all of the brochures that we wish for ourselves. So, as I say, welcome back. It's been a while since we've had an episode of Fresh Thinking, so it's nice to be back on air. Nice to be back with you. We can just do a little exercise. I'm curious. I'm curious, seeing as we've been so disconnected in so many ways. Let's. Uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. If you are listen, listening, if you're tuned in, if you're here, why don't you just uh, say hi? And the way that you say hi is you drop us a SMS on 34519. You could send a telegram message on 0618951019, or of course, as usual, you can use social media. That is at Rabbi Shish on Twitter at Chai FM. Otherwise, the Chai FM Facebook page. Just say hi. Just say hi. I'm back and ready to tackle the year and with you because it is you who makes this show and this experience what it is. So what are we going to talk about today? What should we talk about today? I think one of the things that's on people's minds is the concept of finance. Yes, the truth of the matter is you don't need to have gone through a pandemic. You don't need to be in a difficult economic cycle. Finance is something that always plays on our minds and always causes us a decent amount of stress and anxiety. So I thought it'd be useful for us, seeing as we're going into a year that we hope will help us to recover from many areas of life that had been suspended or damaged over the past 18, 20, 24 months. So let's talk about finances. From a Jewish perspective, I don't think it's far-fetched to suggest that there are many people who are feeling at this point an extra dose of financial I don't think it's far-fetched to suggest that there are many people who are feeling quite overwhelmed. And as we go into a new year and you hope that things are going to come right, I'm interested to know, do you have a principle around money, a principle that helps you keep your head around money, that you don't get depressed or anxious about it? Do you have a principle? Do you have an axiom that you live by? And that helps to keep the edge off. Do you have a mantra that you use and you repeat this particular mantra to yourself again and again and it helps you not to fall to pieces when the bills start to rise and when ESCOM wants a tariff increase and you see the inflation on the shelves in the shops but it doesn't seem to reflect in your income. So do you have a mantra that you use to remind yourself, help yourself just to be at peace, just to live in a serene headspace? To have a sense of what we call in Hebrew, menuchas hanefesh, peace, not of the mind, peace of the soul, or yishuv hadas, a settled perspective of things. So do you have such a mantra? Do you have a particular meditation that you use? Because we're all in this together, and everybody has, just in differing measure, stress 
around money. So if you do have something that works for you, then as the expression goes, you know, the, the sages talk about somebody who has food and refuses to share that food with somebody else who needs food. It's one of the most objectionable kinds of behavior. So the sages say it's, it's the same thing with wisdom. If you have wisdom that works for you and you withhold it from other people where you could actually help them to feel more relaxed, to feel more confident, which is even more important than being relaxed, and you don't share it with them, that's just, it's not right. And it's quite likely that everybody has something, something that you use to keep yourself sane when the bills arrive, when you have unexpected expenses, when you have... I don't know, maybe you budgeted wrong or you miscalculated or you just simply haven't been able to get a raise or your business has been on the ropes. So we all need something, which means that we all will look for something that assists us to get our heads right with financial crunch. So if you've got something or things that you use as a method of keeping the edge off, go ahead. I'd love to hear it love to hear from you what that might be. Again, you could share your thoughts on Twitter or on Facebook using either mine or Kai FM's uh, pages. Otherwise, as always, you can send a message. 34519 is the SMS line. 0618951019 is the Telegram line. My question to you today is, what do you do? What's your fallback position spiritually, intellectually, philosophically, Theologically, ideologically, however you get there, where is the place you go in order to find that settled headspace in the maelstrom of financial worry? And, and I think we all have a lot of financial worry. And it's interesting. It's interesting how things work out because seeing as we live in the southern coming out of our summer vacation and we're about to begin the year. I mean, obviously on the calendar year, it is the first month of the year on all secular calendars, but for us it feels much more like the beginning of the year. It's very interesting that it always dovetails with a time of the year where there is quite a lot of conversation in the Jewish world around Parnassah, around ways by which you could ensure God's blessing that you actually get what it is that you need. So, if that's the conversation, if that's what's happening in the world around us, that should help us to be able to draw strength. That should help us to be able to find a way that we could key in and get in touch with wisdom, with depth, with peace of mind, with anything that would assist us to be able to feel better, feel more confident about financial circumstances. So if you've got something that you would like to share, I certainly would be happy to share it on your behalf, and I'm sure many other people would love to hear it. I, I want to share this with you. This is Martin on Facebook. So Martin says this. It's very, very intriguing. He says, I used to keep, I don't know why it's in the past, it's, I used to keep an amulet in my wallet. He says, I was at a very low point in my life when I found an American penny in the middle of a field, in the middle of a countryside, a million miles from the nearest village and a billion miles from the USA. I guess that's somewhat exaggerated. So he finds that he, he doesn't tell the story, that he finds this coin lying in a paddle in the middle of this field and he goes and he, he, he picks it up and he takes it with him 
And the reason he takes it with him is he sees it's an American coin. And the American currency says on it, in God we trust. And that was the this amulet, so to speak, that he carried. I think it's quite profound, right? To carry something with you that says, in God we trust. So what is yours? What is yours? Uh, what what do you use as your inspiration? Um, what what do you what do you use to keep yourself grounded? Um, what do you do to keep yourself not falling to pieces when the crunch is on the financial crunch? Love to hear your thoughts. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. All right, let's try this again. I believe that the sound got a little bit muffled before, and I'm hoping that it sounds a lot better now. So uh, just give us a wave. Let us know if uh, if you can hear just fine. And if not, well, then we're going to have to get all the techies on board and see what we can do about that. 34519 uh, SMS line. Otherwise, on Telegram, 0618951019. Quick poll, yes or no. Is the sound clear, or are you losing us? As long as you're not losing it. So what are we speaking about today? Topic for today is how do you deal with financial stress? Do you have a meditation? Do you have an axiom? Do you have something that you use when you feel the financial waters rising? You feel like you're going to drown. What do you do? Where do you go to? What helps you not to fall to pieces? So I don't know if you heard it clearly, but I was telling a story that Martin shared over here on Facebook about how he found he was going through a really difficult patch, and he found this coin, and it said, in God we trust, because it was an American penny, even though he was nowhere near the United States, and he thought, wow, there's a sign. Hashem is telling me, in God we trust. That is where you should go. Now, somebody on Twitter has said something which is definitely going to ruffle some feathers. This is Elisheva on Twitter. And she quotes the verse from Psalms, from Tehillim, which is, Na'ar ha'yisi, gam zokanti, ve'loi ra'isi tzadik ne'ezov u'mevakishlo. So people actually say this, many people say this at the end of the Birkas Hamaz and the Grace After Meals, the benching. And the verse says, I was young and now I have grown old and I have never seen a righteous person abandoned and asking for bread. Sadisheva so says in the tweet, I think about that line a lot. And the truth is, any person who pays attention to the words of their prayers, if you read that line, you would think about it a lot. <laughs> because, well, what exactly are you saying? Are you saying that people who have difficulties, financial difficulties, are not righteous? Do you know that there are certain communities who omit that line out of the end of the race after meals so as not to sound patronizing? So it's not to offend a person maybe sitting at the table who's battling financially and may say, oh, that's what you think about me, and I'm not righteous, and that's why I'm going through a difficult time. So I'm curious if that would be a go-to. Would that be a go-to line if a person is having a difficult time financially to say, ah, that's what it is, I'm not righteous. Now, what's fascinating about this is that we have every right in the world to be introspective and say, maybe, maybe I need to improve something about myself. And that's not a bad thing. Because we do have this relationship with God and it's and if we want Him to provide for us, there are expectations that He has from us. It's not a one-way valve. It's not like a, a little baby who says, feed me, change me, 
cuddle me and I don't have to do anything. We understand there's a mature relationship between us and it is a mutually interesting relationship. So you can be introspective and say, maybe I need to work harder on something spiritual in my life and that will settle the, the financial. And the first place, by the way, this is not going to be something abstract. If you're going to do that should influence your logic dictates that they should be linked. So if there are rules in Judaism about how you manage business, when you may work, when you may not, what kind of activity is acceptable, what kind of activity is not acceptable. You know, earlier this week, somebody sent me a WhatsApp message asking my opinion because they had an opportunity to claim for a particular reason. They had an opportunity to claim from an insurance uh, provider and they chose not to. And they chose not to because they felt that it wasn't absolutely honest and they were not absolutely honest. That's how you garner these blessings from God. Right? We want to get what Hashem has to offer us. We want to have blessings in our lives. And the only way to get those blessings is to manage our finances in a way that God would be willing to bless so, um, so you know, sorry, we seem to have some sound issues again. Um, let's just see. Tell me, tell me how the sound is. Tell me if you're if you're hearing this. I feel like you know it's uh, like the old days when you used to phone people in an overseas call and say hello, hello, can you hear me? Can you hear me? So I, I don't know if we're um, in a position to get feedback on that. Craig is telling me that there's an issue with the sound. This is the the fun and games of home broadcasting. So I, I do hope that you can and that you are able to hear. If not, we are going to have to come up with some kind of a plan B. But I'm going to keep going until I hear somebody say, oh, we don't know what's going on. Hello, hello, are you home? Question is, what? What do we do? How do we that we don't become overly anxious, overly stressed? And I know the if I am lacking stream, it could be lacking something in my spiritual stream, great and introspective and we respect it, but I don't know if that settles you. So the question is, what would give you that peace of mind? What would help you not to feel anxious? Somebody sends a, also on Twitter, I don't know how to pronounce this name because it's got all kinds of letters, but he refers to a Yiddish song. And the Yiddish song effectively translates as what do you have to worry about? Why do you have to worry about tomorrow? Right now we have a lachaim. That's basically what it says. Right now we have a lachaim. Which is quite as if to say, moment. Why are you always stressing about tomorrow? Why is that that we have this anticipation anxiety? Why is it that, um, that we're losing that sense of comfort because who knows what might happen? Next. So let's see. Perhaps other people have other suggestions. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So we are uh, battling a little bit with the technical side of things, trying a bit of a different technology this time around. So I hope that you can hear nicely and that it's, it's all clear talking today as we are about finances. 
about how do you, what do you use as a mantra, as a principle, as a meditation to keep you from feeling that perhaps you are losing it because of financial stress. So if you've got something that you'd like to share that is meaningful for you, please go ahead and let us know about it. And while you're thinking, let me just remind you how you get hold of us at 34519 via SMS. It is 0618951019 if you're using Telegram. Otherwise, the good old social media at Chai FM, at Rabashish, or the Chai FM Facebook page. So if you have just tuned in, this is Fresh Thinking, the first Fresh Thinking of this year. Glad to be back in the seat and interacting with you, talking today about what do you do? What do you do to keep yourself from falling to pieces over financial stress. It's so funny because we always have humorous participants in the Fresh Thinking family. So we've got Yoni on Twitter who says his mantra that he uses when he's feeling financially distressed is, it could be worse. <laughs> yes, don't ever say that to somebody who's having a difficult time. Don't ever say to them, it could be worse. Not, not a good suggestion. And then uh, here's somebody uh, who says, what do you do if you're feeling stressed financially? Retail therapy. Yeah, well, that's that's uh, that's pretty funny too. But on a more serious note, so what are you supposed to focus on? Yeah, somebody else. Michael also says he keeps a one dollar note in his wallet because on the money it says "In God We Trust," which is a fascinating perspective. Here you are, you're dealing with currency, you're dealing with the um, the unit that we use in order to purchase, in order to have financial uh, stress-free life, financial peace, and it's amazing that you have this this um, currency that says on it, in God we trust. Yes, Hannah, who says, firstly, I thank God. First thing, I thank God. Secondly, whenever I receive money or spend money, I say arigato. It's a Japanese word for appreciation. I appreciate the money coming in, and I appreciate the money going out. Well, I suppose if it's going out, that's a good sign. Hopefully, that means that there is coming in as well, right? Surely. Uh, Rene says that the meditation is after darkness, there is always light. The problem is, though, that doesn't necessarily put you at ease because this darkness might last a very long time, as history has proven. There have been many times in history, unfortunately, where difficult times have extended longer than anybody would have wanted them to. So uh, does, does that necessarily work? I'm not sure. Not sure. Here's uh, Helen who says that her mantra is 10 different verses. This is fascinating. 10 different verses from the Torah, which all help to, I suppose, create perspective. So here are the 10 verses. Verse number one, this is from Helen. Verse number one is, Praise God for he is good and his kindness is everlasting. That's number one. Number two, Hashem hu God is the one in charge. God is the one with all the power. Number three, there is none other besides him. Number four, of course, the most famous well-known line of all of Judaism, that God is our God and God is one. Number five, God is king, was king, and will be king forever and ever. Number six, there's none other to rely upon except for God in heaven. Number seven, God is the one who is good and does good to others. 
Number eight, open your hand. This is part of the prayers that we say to Hashem. We say to Hashem, open your hand and, and, and satiate all living beings according to your will. Number nine is God is greater than everything. And number 10 is God is the king of all kings. Okay, so to me, that's not a mantra per se. That's a recipe. And it's a powerful recipe of a whole lot of different things, each one of which is an entire segment of the faith experience in its own right. So it's not, that's not a quick fix, that's for sure. And I wasn't necessarily asking for a quick fix, but it's definitely, that's quite a lot of information to hold in your head. So, so some people may find it a little difficult, you know, to, to get hold of all of those things. Um, here's Linda, who says, faith in Hashem and that everything is in his control. So that helps. That certainly helps. Uh, here's Moshe who says, let finance be what it is and has always been a means to an end. Let's not corrupt it and make it an end itself. There is plenty to extract and add from this world, even if one's finances are minimal. Now, that's a fascinating perspective because you look around and you think, firstly, in terms of our contemporary setting, we have the haves and the have-nots, and that's a measurement of finance not necessarily a measurement of contribution or of value as a person. And if you look at Jewish history, some of the people who made the greatest contributions to our history, to our wisdom as a Jewish people, were people who really did not have much. So there is much to contribute to the meaning and to the life of this world without necessarily having big money in the bank. So Moshe makes a very good point and then says, one's financial position is solely the result of God's benevolence or God testing us. So in other words, guess who holds the purse strings? And I think that's the direction that really we should be moving. You know what's interesting about it, and the reason I said earlier that there's a lot of conversation in the Jewish world at this time of the year around finance is because this is the time of the year that there's a tradition to read the portion where God blesses the Jewish people with the manna that would sustain them in the desert for 40 years. And there is really much to learn from the story of the manna because it was a totally, think about it, it was an incredibly weird way to live. Imagine, here you are, you're in a desert. That means that the resources for normal food production are extremely limited. Initially, they were only supposed to be in the desert for a short period of time. It landed up being 40 years. But during those 40 years, every single day for 40 years, they had zero control over what they would eat tomorrow. It's a fascinating psychological shift. Here are people who, yes, they may have been slaves, and it was absolutely brutal. One thing they didn't worry about, and they voiced their, that, that to, to the leadership, was food. There was always something to eat. It might have been the plainest of food represented in the matter that we eat on Peter, but there was food nonetheless. And now, suddenly, they're in the desert, and you have zero control over what you will eat tomorrow. It's, it's a mind-boggling concept. I recently heard a story that the Chofet Chaim, who was one of the great Torah leaders of the previous century, had a, a student, and the student was in the yeshiva, along with all the other yeshiva students, and it was common for the boys to get married at a young age. And this fellow kept delaying getting married. Every proposal that came his way, he wanted to meet this one's daughter, meet that one's daughter. He kept rebuffing. So at some point, he came and had a conversation with the Chofetz Chaim. And the Chofetz Chaim said to him, what's going on? Why is it 
that you are so reticent. Why, why don't you want to get married? So he said, look, the tradition in those days was that after marriage, a person would sit and study for an amount of years, one year, five years, you know, depending on the circumstances, and they would live off some kind of like a, a, a trust that would be set up usually by the prospective father-in-law. So it was part of the negotiation. So in order to go ahead with the marriage, the, the young man would know that he's cared for financially for X amount of time, and in that time, he'd sit and learn. It was called kest. That's how they said it in Yiddish, which is like a, you know, like a chest. So this fellow says to the Chafetz Chaim, he says, I haven't yet found somebody who is in a position that they will provide for me for the first five years of my marriage. That's what I want. I want to be able to sit and learn for five years. And until we get to those five years, I'm not going to be able to, to, to move. Can't get married. The Chafetz Chaim says to him, tell me something. For the 65 years, after those five years are, are over, you know who's going to provide for you. This is what he means. After that, God will provide. So he said, it's the same. We think God can't provide for you today. It's an incredible mindset, and it's something that we need to talk about, particularly when we feel stressed around finances, which happens very often. We very often do feel stressed around financial issues. So that's the conversation I'd like to have. And if you've got something to share, please, by all means, catch us on the SMS line or the Telegram line or on social media. Let's hear, what do you do to settle your mind when the bills pile up, inflation is through the, roo- through the roof, and you feel that the income just isn't catching up? This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So we are talking about finances. We're talking about the stress of finance, the stress of earning a living. We're uh, talking about the stress of you know, just not simply not feeling anxious. How am I going to make it through the month? How am I going to make it through this year? How am I going to get back onto my feet? So I was just chatting just for the break about the story of the prophet time, and it relates to the idea of the manna that fell when the Jewish people were in the desert. Now, if you think about it, so the manna was this incredible exercise in faith because we're used to a scenario, especially, imagine in today's world, we, we could never handle this concept because in today's world, we know that we can keep things at home for lengthy periods of time because we have refrigeration. And if we need something, we can just call the, this particular place or use an app and, and have something delivered to us. So we don't have that same fear of what happens if I need food and I can't get food because we know that we can get food, but there's no app for the money. <laughs> there's no app like, uh, you know, click here and within 16 minutes money will be delivered to your house. That we don't have. Either way, back then in the desert, so they're in a hostile environment, the desert. It's not a place that lends itself to food production. And it's an environment where they had to get their manna each day, and it would last them only for that day. In fact, the medieval commentator Rashi points out that the whole intention, because you read the context, Hashem says, that the purpose of this food is actually to test you, which is bizarre. You know, who gets tested by being given something? Usually you're tested when you're not given something. Usually a test means that you don't have what you need and you still have to keep your faith or keep your head or keep your focus. Here we're given the food, 
in order to be tested. And later on in the Torah, God himself actually says the same thing. But Rashi says, yes, the test was that they would not keep any leftovers for the following day and that they would not go on a Saturday morning to collect because the, the manna would fall every morning. And there were two things that God told them via Moses. The first thing was, you get exactly the amount that you need. Nobody gets extra. Nobody gets too little. And nothing will survive to the next day. So if you choose not to eat your full allocation and you want to keep some of it for tomorrow, by tomorrow it will be inedible. So you have to trust the system absolutely. You have to trust that this package that you've got is exactly what you need at this particular moment. What you'll need tomorrow, who knows? Because it was relative, right? The Torah tells us nobody got more than they needed. Nobody got less than they needed. So if your need today was X and tomorrow your need was X plus one, tomorrow's manna portion would be X plus one. But today you'd only get what you needed. So the absolute faith in the system that you required to know I am not going to keep anything in the pantry for tomorrow because it's a waste of time. It won't last until tomorrow. That's on the one hand. And then you have on the other hand that so Moses tells you, don't keep anything for tomorrow, except on Friday. On Friday, you have to collect double manna because there will be nothing on Shabbos morning. So imagine they had to they had to completely trust the system that on Thursday night I can't keep anything for Friday because it's just going to be inedible by the morning. But on Friday I have to collect double the portion of what I need so I'll have enough food for Shabbos. It's a training exercise. This whole concept of the manna was a training exercise. The training exercise to recognize that there are two types of food. There's conventional food. Our sages call conventional food bread that grows from the ground. And then there is supernatural, unconventional food that our sages call bread that comes from the heavens the difference between the two. The bread that comes through the conventional method is built on sweat equity. You've got to identify arable land. Then you have to work that land. You have to clear the rocks, plow the field, get the right seeds, plant them at the correct time, make sure that they're irrigated, make sure that nobody tramples your fields, make sure that there are no pests, pray for rain, harvest at the correct time, process the things that you have harvested in order to turn them into food. There's a tremendous amount of human input that is required in the conventional processes of food production. When it comes to bread that falls out of the sky, go to your door in the morning, there it is, home delivery. What more do you need? So this was a training exercise because there's this period between which the Jews had been slaves in Egypt. In the slave environment, they had to trust a different system. They had to trust an oppressive system that they want to keep us alive because they need us to continue the slave work. That's why they'll feed us. You have to trust people who are fundamentally untrustworthy. You have to trust people who actually don't care about you. They're completely abusing you. But they didn't really have a choice. From there, they go into the desert. Complete turnaround. Now I have to trust an entity that I cannot see. I have to trust an entity that I can't negotiate with, really. And I have to believe that this entity 
is benevolent and wants my best uh, and wants the best for me and cares about me and loves me as this entity instructed his prophet to tell Pharaoh, this is my firstborn child and don't you dare mistreat him because now you're going to pay. So you love me enough to call me your firstborn child and you say you're going to provide for me. And I may have some questions if you love me so much. Why were we slaves for 200 years? And I may have some questions about if we, if you love us so much, why are we not already in the promised land and why didn't we, why didn't we live there throughout our history? But now I've got to trust you that you're going to provide exactly what I need, exactly, precisely, day by day, just what I need at the right time in a way that won't cause any health after effects because we're told it was the most perfect food and nobody ever got sick and not only that, but you didn't even have any waste products. So I have to trust that you're going to do that for me. It's an incredible exercise. It was a huge shift coming from a world of mistrust, which if we're honest about it is where most of us live. Most of us live in a world of mistrust. I don't know if I trust politicians. I don't know if I trust economists. I don't know if I trust the guy who tells me he's going to deliver the merchandise that I need to sell. I don't know. Is he going to come? Is he not going to come? Do I trust customs? Are they going to hold my stuff at the, at the, at the harbor for, for weeks on end? Do I trust the stars that they're not going to come up with some excuse why this the particular transaction is not going to cost me more money? Do I trust ESCOM that they're going to provide electricity that my factory could still work? I don't know. I come from an environment of absolute mistrust, and that's why we have so much anxiety. I don't know what things are going to cost tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe, God forbid, there'll be something else that upsets the world economy, as COVID did over the last two years. I live in a world of mistrust. It is natural as a human being to do so. And scientists will even tell you it is part of the survival mechanism of the human being. I have to mistrust the systems around me because that way I'll be on guard and I'll protect myself and not collapse uh, into the opportunities of uh, or the opportunities, the, the challenges of the world that I live in. So I come from this world of mistrust and this concept of the manna was designed to force the people to shift radically in their thinking and to recognize, no, 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 I have to move to a place of absolute trust. Absolute trust in an infinite being who created me to succeed, who knows very well, probably better than I do, what I really need and who will provide for it for me lovingly. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Things are not easy, admittedly. It's not so easy to shift from a mistrusting headspace into an absolutely trusting headspace. But that's what the Jews did over the course of the period that they were in the desert. They got to learn. They got to learn that actually sustenance comes from God. There, there might be things that I do, and anybody who's been around the block business-wise will know that I could be the smartest person around, and I could have the best product with a brilliant marketing strategy and a full chain of production and delivery, and I could still fail because of something I would never have anticipated, and vice versa, by the way. You could have a person who's a, what we call like, a, you know, two left feet kind of personality in terms of business acumen. And they just happen to touch the right product at the right time, and it takes off in an unprecedented fashion. They, they themselves don't really know what's happened. Because the strange nature of money is that it's unpredictable. And from a Jewish perspective, this beautiful nature of money is that it is directed by God himself. So it might be unpredictable for us. 
but we have to trust that it's manna, it's bread that comes from on high. It is something that Hashem provides exactly, exactly as we need it, when we need it, in the way that we need it, because He He just knows so much better than we do. Now, what's most interesting about this, though, is that they didn't land up living in the desert with a magical manna indefinitely. There came a time where they had to cross the Jordan River, go into Israel, and from that time, roll up their sleeves and actually start working. And when you start working, there's always the risk that you'd believe that you're totally in control and that there are factors that have to be considered, and those are the factors that make or break the success of a business. But they had been trained. They had been trained through this period of 40 years day in, day out, knowing that everything I need comes directly from God. It became embedded in their psyche. And it became something that they taught their children. It became something that we speak about in the Torah. And it became that core element of how a Jewish person is capable of relieving financial anxiety. What causes us to be anxious over finance is that we really, really believe we may not get what we need. Now, let's be distinct over here. This is, of course, the, we may not get what we want. That happens a lot in life. But our fears are, I may not get what I need. And the response to that is, Hashem says, trust me on this. I will ensure that you get what you need. There are two conditions, just like the manna in the desert. Condition number one is that when you have what you need today, don't worry about tomorrow. In the same way as they had a portion for the day, they were not allowed to keep it for the next day. And if they did, it would no longer be inedible. So if you live, as the sages of the Talmud say, with enough for today, worried about tomorrow, that shows a lack of faith. So that's rule number one. You want, God wants to give you what you need. Just don't, don't stress. And rule number two is nothing falls on a Shabbos. No financial success in the long term comes from a Shabbos. And that's uh, not necessarily easy for people, but it, it, it's the truth of how it works. It's the reciprocal relationship between us and God. We do it His way, He gives us His blessing. Please, God, He should bless us all with all the financial needs that we don't have to have any anxiety at all, and He should bless us with the wisdom to know how to conduct our affairs in the way that He would want. Have a great Shabbos. Stay safe and stay sane.